Howard from the Perdomo Cigar Studios on the Black Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and broadcasting from down under. That's why Brisbane and Australia. It's episode 99 of the Primetime Jukebox. Today, tonight, we celebrate the music of the one and only Tina Turner. And it always, the Primetime Jukebox is sponsored by Perdomo Cigars. Awarded Nicaraguan Cigar of the Year in 2014 by Cigar Journal, the Perdomo 20th Anniversary brand has consistently earned the highest scores in the industry and is a top seller in humidors around the world. The Perdomo 20th Anniversary blend requires tobaccos that have been carefully hand-selected and are well-aged for a minimum of eight years. The Perdomo 20th Anniversary is offered in three distinct wrappers, a smooth, creamy Ecuadorian Connecticut, a rich, earthy Cuban seed Nicaraguan sun-grown, and a dark oily Cuban seed Nicaraguan Maduro. Combine these beautifully bourbon barrel-aged wrappers with thick, high-priming binder and filler tobaccos gives each blend a balanced complexity with layers of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo Cigar is a family-owned and operated company headquartered in Miami, Florida, with manufacturing agricultural facilities in Esteli, Nicaragua. Perdomo's highly acclaimed cigar brands include the Perdomo Double Age 12-Year Vintage, Perdomo 20th Anniversary, Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary, Perdomo Bono Bourbon Barrel-Aged, Perdomo Lot 23, Perdomo Menso 70 and many more. For great tasting notes and pairing information, check out the Perdomo website at www.perdomocigars.com. And by Jerry Tobacco. The authentic Carajo leaf is one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there. During the golden age of cigars of Cuba, it was a leaf of choice to make some of the world's greatest cigars. Because it is one of the most challenging ones to cultivate, it fell out of favor by the 1990s. In the Hamistran Valley in Honduras, Julio Aroa took on the challenge of growing Carajo from the original seeds, and in 2000, he successfully reintroduced authentic Carajo back to the market. With over 50 years' experience in the tobacco business, from growing and curing tobacco to cigar production, the JRE Tobacco Farm has been able to continue to deliver products to market with authentic Carajo. Now with JRE Tobacco, Julio and his son Justo have brought their very own brand to market, and each contain that authentic Carajo leaf. Aladino is available in a wide variety of blends, including the latest release, the Aladino Candela. And each represent that golden age of cigars from 1947 to 1961. They're available at your local retailer. Be sure to ask for Jerry Tobacco, a legacy that's tasted in every draw. And by Tobaccolera USA, makers of iconic brands such as Monte Cristo, Romeo and Julieta, H. Upman, and Aging Room Cigars. Tobaccolera USA, great things are happening here. And finally, by Drew Estate. Dark, bold, and unapologetic. Black and Cigars M81 by Drew Estate is an intense journey into the uncharted, deepest, and darkest and heaviest depths of Maduro tobacco. This is a masterpiece collaboration between Metallica's James Hetfield, Sweet Amber Distilling's Rob Dietrich, and Drew Estate's Jonathan Drew. The all Maduro Black and Cigars M81 by Drew Estate is rich and powerful, but beautifully balanced, offering tantalizing notes of leather, chocolate, and espresso that's perfect for both life celebrations and times of reflection. You can find them at your Drew Diplomat retailer. And remember, all of the live streaming for the Primetime Network of Shows, as well as for the Thursday Primetime Show, sponsored exclusively by Drew Estate. Well, welcome, everybody. This is Primetime Jukebox, episode 99. We are doing a, uh, in the U.S., it's a Memorial Day weekend edition. Uh, this is Will Cooper here. I am in the Panama Scott Studios on the black stage, and I'm joined uh, by my good friend and colleague, Mr. Dave Burke. Hello, everyone. Yeah, I forgot about uh, have a good Memorial Day weekend, everyone. Thanks to everyone who has served that's listening to us. Have a good Memorial Day. Do you 
do Memorial Day stuff, Coop? Do you have a traditional like barbecue or anything? Um, we we on the last few years we've been on vacation in Florida uh, with the family. We did not do the Florida vacation this year. Mm. Uh, and we usually kind of put that week in between our anniversary and um, Memorial Day. But um, this year, no, we didn't do that. But my wife and I are um, tomorrow are heading for a, uh, to Atlanta for a couple of days so on the second half of the weekend. So right, uh, we kind of just get away to two of us. We, the, the last time we got away to two of us, unfortunately, was when my dad passed away. And we had to go make mm. arrangements. So that wasn't really much of a trip. This is we'll get a little more in there. This is going to be a little more fun this time. So, oh, good. Yep, so I'm excited about that. Good. I mean, uh, no, I'm just trying to think. Um, otherwise, that I mean, the reason we are filming the show and it's dark over here is that uh, we just like we gotta get the show in. Yeah, because of uh, the news of uh, Tina oh, Turner, who are yeah. focusing the song. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, if you noticed, it's uh, it's night. No, no, it's like I think we did a couple shows ago. We had the same thing. Uh, night in Australia. It's actually uh, seven in the morning here in North Carolina. Usually, it's flipped around, and and I'm the one mm. doing it in the evening, and Dave's the one, um, <laughs> you know, in right. the morning. Um, but uh, you can see it's it's also uh, also winter in Australia now, so Dave is bundled is. up. Yeah. What? Let me see the temperature here. You'll probably laugh at me because it's probably like, you know, yeah, sixty degrees or something Fahrenheit. Yeah. Uh, what do we got here? Oh, it's uh, it's uh, ten degrees Celsius, so that's roughly forty-five ish. That's some. That's cold. That's cold to do a podcast. It's not McTavish cold. Some <laughs> surgeon cold, but it's not but McTavish that, that weather. Is, that is no. cold. Yeah, that is cold. The yeah. conscious Canadian. No, the conscious Canadian. Yeah, uh, you know he he'd be like, yeah, it's a balmy uh, thirty-nine degrees, but he's uh. uh... But you know, He's we on, have this um, Chinook wind coming in. It's really cold things down. Yeah, Loomis are on. Uh, how about that cigar? I gotta check that out. Oh, it, it was a really good show. It was a really good show. Yeah, they uh, they were on. A few, they were on the weekend. I got back from Formula One. So yeah, definitely. Check oh those, yeah, check them out. That's Formula did. One. Oh, that was really good. That was really good. Um, you know, I I was a little spoiled with some of the access I had, and it was for non cigar related uh, day job stuff. But um. It was it was great. Uh, the great it's a great event. Uh, great hosts, and it was good for the city of Miami. And uh, unfortunately, our driver, which we sponsor, my my company sponsors, he, he had a he had a wreck in in qualifying. So oh no, in qualifying. Yeah, yeah, oh, Charles no. Leclerc. Yeah, and they had a red flag the qualifying day. Yeah. Yeesh. But uh, but no, it's it, it's it's a great of the uh the. We got to meet the two team drivers and everything. Super nice guys. Oh, so, nice. Yeah. Oh, that's so, cool. Yeah. Ferrari team. So I got the Ferrari hat on. Nice. Yep. And Monaco is tomorrow. Uh, this week, tomorrow is Monaco. All right. So tomorrow is the biggest auto racing day in the U.S. Because is it? Well, Monaco starts the morning off, and Formula One is definitely on the rise here. Then it's oh. Indy 500. Yeah. And then it's the Charlotte 600 at night. Oh. I love NASCAR. Yeah, love I mean, it. Uh, you know, if you ever get to North Carolina and you're, you know, it's hard to obviously time it with a race, but uh, I've been to the Charlotte 600. It's a long Have race, but, but it's a great. Yeah, it's a great place to go see a race. I may. Uh, yeah, I'm we a Bubba went, Wallace. Uh, I'm a Bubba Wallace guy. So go. Yeah. he's been doing all right. He's been uh, getting Bubba, like Bubba, fourth yeah. and fifth. Yeah. 
not yeah. uh, not getting the win yet. I like but, Joey Logano. You know. He's the bad boy. But but oh I'm yeah, more... don't mind Joey Logano. <laughs> I'm I'm more of an indie guy. Indie's the race I've always watched an indie guy? as a kid. Yeah, uh, indie's probably the race I watched as a kid. So okay, uh, um, yeah. So I usually watch that. And uh, for a while, I was on this prediction streak where, and actually, we used to do an indie show on on Coop. Oh, it's just a t- car it's just... racing show. I'll do it. Yeah. The only reason why I'm we stopped doing it is because of the vacation we started taking in Florida every year. So, right. Yeah. But we had, yeah. But I would definitely do a car racing show on NASCAR or anything. I think we can eat. Yeah. Yeah. People out there got to be, let us know. Cigar jukebox at gmail.com. Let Absolutely. Know. Absolutely. Let us know. I, uh, but no, I bet. See, cause I get, cause NASCAR, right? I could tape the races here. So they do the full race here. But they also have what's called NASCAR highlights. Uh huh. So they take the four-hour race and they, they 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 hack it down to an hour, which is great. They used to do that with the Indy 500 in like the 70s. It it used yeah. to be not shown live. It would be shown in prime time. Oh, uh, they just show uh, the. Yeah, and then and it was like, and they cut it back. And they cut it back. So you'd watch it in two hours, right? Mm. But what happened was. <laughs> Then came the advent of something called sports phone, oh, okay. uh, which is before internet. So if you like, what happened is before you want, if you wanted to get results of like games, right, and you didn't have a radio nearby, you didn't want to wait for the radio sports report to come on, you'd call this sports phone number, right? Oh, and it would tell right. you who won the games, and and I remember I'd call it up to find out who won the Indy Five Hundred, and I'd spoil it every year for myself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No. Oh yeah, but no, yeah. I, no. Got- so hey, so big car racing day tomorrow. That's tomorrow the big car racing. Yeah, I'm gonna miss a lot of it because we drive in Atlanta. But uh, unfortunately, um, that was bad scheduling on my part. So, <laughs> oh, but I have Sirius go. XM. So Sirius XM. Who, by the way, is I think there's a, a uh, you saw that that, saw that. They're, they're making a uh, move for Taylor Swift station. So I'm surprised they don't already have one. To be honest. They only have limited. They tend to float those, or except unless you have like. Are they for season. limited times or something? Some of them are, and then some of them are longer term arrangements like Springsteen and Elvis. So, oh, I, see, uh, I don't have Sirius. They don't have that out here. Oh, because no. that's what a subscription, isn't it? Yeah, I mean it's 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 a good it, Sirius is really good. Um, I, I've actually been a Sirius subscriber for over twenty years. Nice. So I got that- it when it was the when no one knew about it. Yeah. So you could pick like you because it's like genres and stuff and yeah it's there's so many there's over two hundred channels so wow. there's so much you could pick from and some are commercials and some aren't but even the commercial mm-hmm. ones aren't bad uh they have lots of talk and they have lot li- the live sports is what I love because oh. um you get all okay. all the games from all the major sports yeah oh that's a good deal yeah. that's great yeah so. Um, so when I don't want to hear a Tony Romo, it's great. I just put the serious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Tony, man. Yep. Yep. Woo. Yep. Oh, it's going to be NFL. We'll have to do an NFL show. Soon. Yeah. I already, I already planted the bug in Hector's ear about it. So, so we have to get that scheduled. Yeah. His dolphins, man, do or die. I, oh, I think. T- yeah. No, I agree. I do or die for them, man. Man, I, I'm shocked that, um, that quarterback's coming back to a man. I am too. One more hit to that guy. And I tell you what, 
he's going to be putting football away, I reckon. Yeah, like you, you worry is. about him. You worry about his, you know, not just a football thing. Yeah, you just want to. No, make sure well, that, that's what happened to Aikman, man. Just too many concussions. He had, yep. To, yep. He had to walk away. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Aikman, if you think about it, only had a 12-year career. No, well, he was getting. Long. Yeah. He was getting, mad, like, he was getting multiple concussions a season near the yep, end. Uh, yep, he was. Yep. And you just can't, you can't mess with that. No, absolutely I not. I mean, and they didn't know that then, but, I mean, it was, yeah, that's too bad for yeah. for him. But, yeah, anyway, oh, I could talk football all day, but we don't yeah. have time for that, Coop. No, 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 we don't. <laughs> See that? See, when you get me at night, I'm already got all energied up. I already, you know, I'm all ready to go. I'm a night person. No, no. <laughs> um, so there's another death in music I want to mention. Uh, and that, I mean, a lot of people might not know who this person is, but it's Bill Lee. Yeah. He's actually the father of Spike Lee. Um, and he was a bassist, jazz bassist, who's played with everybody from like Bob Dylan to Aretha Franklin. Um, and he even scored or composed a lot of the music for Spike, some of Spike Lee's films. He had a drug arrest and they had a falling out, uh, but connected up later. Um, and yeah, so the song I have is uh, he did a lot of the work for Mo Better Blues. So I have the the title track to that um, movie. And no, I just saw it. I didn't really know much about Billy. And then I saw that he passed away on NPR Music. And I just started reading. It's just an interesting, interesting yeah. career. Yeah, he was. And I, you know, I knew that Spike came from someone in the music side. I didn't, but, um, and I've heard of Billy, but I didn't put the two together. Yeah, no, he's played yeah. for a lot of he's played for yeah. a lot of people. Yep, no, he they definitely did. He definitely did, uh, for sure with that. Yeah, he definitely he played for several a lot of people. Mm. Just kind of a way he made his way around the music business, and he was he was around for a long time too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so that news and speaking of news, I saw some, uh, some cigar news coop. That's, uh, that's very important to the, uh, primetime jukebox show. Yeah. Cause it is a, a cigar that we, you know, every year do on the dedication show, but it's the last Calaveras and I put the picture up here so you could mm. see it. Um, and, uh, the key thing is, um, I think we've been always trying to guess the band color now. I want to say I said it on Jukebox, but I know I said orange. Was I'll give it to you. Because it's the 10-year anniversary of Crown, uh, Crown Heads Last Calaveras line. It was the 10th installment. Mm. And the orange is because of the state of Tennessee colors. Ah. So, you know, that's why I had predicted orange with that. Uh, Tennessee Volunteers nice. with that. Yeah, so um, that is scheduled to hit in the upcoming weeks in June. So you don't expect to see that. Uh, they're doing, oh, this one's going to be Connecticut Broadleaf. So they yes. haven't done Connecticut Broadleaf since 2016. So it's and it's, I think it's the first Bellicoso made by my father or something as well. Yeah. They're yep. Bellicoso in the, yep. So yep. The there's pack. three sizes, the LC 50 Robusto LC 52, which is the Toro, the LC fifty four, which is that sub, almost that sublime size, like a grand, yeah, yeah, it's five and five, it's fifty one, and then there's a Bell uh, Bellocoso Fino, mm. um, which is five and a half by fifty two. So I like that size. I like that that cigar, Bellocoso yep. Fino. Yep, it, it is, and um, 
it's the the bellicose phenol is only available in the um sampler, which there will yes. be a sampler. Uh, usually there is a um. Usually there's plenty of these cigars to go around. Um, mm. so from that, from oh go ahead, Coop. No, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say from my experience of ordering it the last couple of years, because Coop and I we try and get on it pretty quick, pretty quick so that we have them for the show. Yeah. Um, I think the main releases stick around for a while, but I think the sampler goes pretty quickly. Yeah. So they're doing fifteen hundred. So if you want the if you want yeah. the sampler, get on that pretty quick. The other ones tend to stick around a bit. Yeah. So they do fifteen hundred boxes per size, right? Mm. Of and the, but the sampler is only three thousand of them. And yeah. the sampler, I I think they know they do the samplers. They do a great job with the sampler, so particularly with this one, right? Because you get mm. one of each size, then you get mm. that bonus cigar. And I'm pretty thrilled at the Bellicose of Fino this year. So. Yeah, so last year's people know what I—I I mean, I had it on the show, but they had the, uh, they had the uh, Lancero for the the special size. Yep, yep. Um, and they've they've had other special sizes. I think they've had like a, I want to say like a, what well, they've had like a, oh, I can't remember. But they've, they've had, had torpedoes, size. but not Bell torpedoes, no, but not the Del Pino, yeah. So they have torpedoes before they—they've had, and some of the sizes. Um, they've had like bigger ring gauges and yeah, so it's all different. But uh, I'm very excited. I love getting the sampler. So yep. I'm on the uh... yep. And like I said they said you were saying it. Uh, it's the first time they've done the Bellicose Sofino in the sampler, which is yep. that um, which is that five and a half by fifty two. So it's a little shorter, and it's the first time they've done that with my father. So yes, um, I, I think it's a pretty cool size. So I'm pretty excited about that one. Yeah, I'm very excited for the uh, for the for the blend and, and ha- excited to check it out. Um, like I've said to Coop, I think the cigar has always performed for me performed better in the larger ring gauges. Yeah. So I'll probably be getting a couple of those 54s um, yeah. as well as that sampler. That sublime tends to be the one that I I, I think it's a really done well in this one. Yeah. Mm. So yeah. So. Check out if they should be. I don't know if many people are taking pre-orders at the moment, but I think it's getting shipped in in June, so yep. you should be able to get it pretty soon. Yep, yep, agree. Um, other cigar news, Cooper. Is that the main the main thing? Um, that was I'm trying. That was the main thing. Um, there was a couple of the oh look. Uh, I'll just mention a few of these. I won't go too deep, but um. Casado announced the Casa Magna 15 anniversary cigar. I saw that. That looks like a good cigar. Yeah, it looks like I actually uh, looks like they swapped the Nicaraguan wrapper out for an Ecuadorian wrapper, which so I'm mm. interested to see how that's going to be. Uh, E.P. Carrillo has this new cigar coming out called Pledge of Allegiance. Uh, they, have, they have a cigar called Pledge and they have a cigar called Allegiance. Uh, so ah, they're right. so they're kind of combining the concepts, not really the tobaccos. And it's gonna be tobaccos that are more American in these in this blend. Okay. So he's got like a broadleaf wrapper, Connecticut broadleaf mm. wrapper, and then there's American tobaccos in the filler, which is something okay. a little different that he's doing there. Um, and I think the other thing I wanted to mention was if you're a McAuliffe fan, and this is a brand that's kind of getting some steam in the U.S. Uh, mm. McAuliffe came out as announced in score the black. So okay. So this is one that uh, they're putting a lot. They put a lot of effort into this one, I believe. So 
you probably haven't had a lot of McAuliffe in Australia. That's probably something we have to correct there. No, I think last time I bought a bunch in the States, I think I had some. Um, some of, yeah, the, some of the blends are better than others. Yeah, some yeah. of the blends are better yeah. than others. I'll be completely honest with you. This one's going to be yeah. well-priced at $8. Like A lot of this stuff oh, was very high-priced yeah. that came out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm uh, I, I excited to try any kind of cigar. Absolutely. Absolutely, yep. Um, speaking of cigars, should we get to what we're smoking, Coop? Yes. All right. I'm smoking. Uh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I, oh, I, I can't get enough of these for some reason. I might have even had this on the show already, but it's the OMAC Maduro. And it's in like a Corona size. I just love this cigar. I love it. Um, Can't get can't get enough. Yeah, we're going to be talking about Thunderdomes in, uh, on the show, I'm assuming. <laughs> and yes. uh, that's a Thunderdome cigar in that people like the Maduro and some people like the Claro. I can't get enough of it. I yeah, was, that was a good pick. Kind of, I could see that was a tie-in with that, Dave. You had a tie-in with this one, believe it or not. Yeah. Now, what's your, yours? Uh, yours, I'm very excited to hear about your cigar. Uh, the Fuente Fuente Opus X Angel Share Robusto. Mm. Um, you know, this is a cool cigar, Dave. It's it's it actually, it's kind of like, but it's I'll explain. It's kind of like the Undercrown version of. The Opus X, except okay, it's a lot more limited, right? In right, what I say with that is they use alternate primings in this blend, okay. so uh, from the Opus X. Mm. So I picked this because I think Tina was an angel for having to deal with Ike. <laughs> yes. So we'll get to that, but uh, that's why I did pick this. Yeah, I said, you know, I'm gonna pick. I wanted to see if I had an angel share upstairs. Nice. I went upstairs. I did have one. So. Uh, Nice. Yeah, but I, I am a huge fan of the Angel Share. I think it's a it's a great cigar. Hard okay. to get. They are hard to get. Um, mm. Like Undercrowns are easy to get with the alternate primings. This the the alternate primings are just more scarce. So, uh, mm. very excited to smoke this cigar. Nice. Um, I'm gonna cut and light it as we speak. Um, nice. So seven like in the morning. Said... Hope at seven in the morning. It's not as heavy as an Sex either. So. Ah, well, that's funny, cause like, cause I'm used to like always doing all of my shows at like seven in the morning. So I'll like have a Neanderthal you seven up, in the morning. You went up warheads on this show in the morning. Oh yeah, I'll, I anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was I don't know what it was. I yeah. was having a Neanderthal on a on a show with John or something. This is another show, and he was like, "Oh, what do you think's a good morning cigar?" I'm like, "Well, I'm smoking this in the morning, and it's <laughs> all right." Oh man, so that's yeah, that's that's Poulton. Well, that well, that was well, we were with um Matt and I had that Opus X and then followed it up with the Lenox and was just downing these like yeah very strong cigars. But yeah, all right, Lenox. Was, yeah, we smoked those Purple Rains that night. Uh, Ooh, and uh, I messaged. I said Jose. I sent picture to Jose. He's like, Coop, you sure that's authentic? You know, I'm like, it's, Jose's got this to bit of authenticity. He's like, oh, okay, oh. good. Yeah. yeah so I just, you don't want to have Carlito uh, <laughs> something fake. So I said to Carlito, like, he messaged me, and he's like, my show, but when I messaged it to Carlito, I did put the, I think I picked the certificate of authenticity. Wouldn't ask. And he, oh. and he responded, I remember. Yeah, nice, good, enjoy. Actually, oh, first, how nice. did you get those? And then the second one was, ah. uh, and, and I told him, and he said, enjoy. It's amazing. That's yeah. Scary. Yeah. Oh, I, I love that. That was an amazing Opus X, that purple <laughs> one. So, 
Coop, why don't you kick us off with just your first general thoughts on uh, on Tina? Um, I mentioned in the green room. Uh, you know, Tina Turner. It, well, before I get mentioned, what was in here? Tina Turner in the eighties was, I think, um, iconic. Oh yeah. She uh, he, we're gonna talk about her career in a second. So, you know, um, when she passed. It was overnight in Australia, and mm. Hector and I had an exchange and, and messages about this. And Hector's a big music fan. And I said, "I think Dave's gonna want to do a show." Okay, so about three hours later, Dave wakes up and says, we got to do a Tina Turner show. I'm like, "Yeah, all set. I'm <laughs> <laughs> covered." With the, um, you know, I mentioned this '80s. She made this huge comeback in the '80s at age 45. I mean, it was a, a massive comeback. We're going to talk about it. Um, but, you know, she was for a long time associated with Ike Turner. Now, mm. I always say I like to separate the music from the person. Ike Turner is as hard to do as possible oh, with that, okay? Because yeah. he, 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 look, he, what he did for, like, a lot of people consider him the pioneer of rock and roll here, okay? And he had talent. But the guy was a clown and a total train wreck, mm. right? And my question is, was there anyone more hated in the music business than Ike? By the fans, I should say. Oh, like man, Ike I was just know. despised, right? Um, but I think you know, the more people hated Ike, the more people loved mm. Tina, and they mm. saw at age forty-five how she kind of came out on her own and really did something quite well. Her vocals, I heard Brian Adams talk about this, were were distinct. They were one of a mm. kind. No one had vocals like her raspy, a little more baritone-ish that she had. So you weren't going to bring her in to sing those high notes by any means. Yeah. Um, But she also had great dancing skills, like going back to mm. the I can see the Turner days. Um, You know, I think when she was in her 50s, you didn't quite see those dancing skills as much. But she she was a great dancer. I mean, watch some of those old clips of her. She's like shaking and everything. It's like mm. really, yeah. Um, But yeah, Horizon 84 and 85 was a surprise. I think he embraced this role from being, you know, we'll talk about this, but she became, you know, she had her problems, obviously, she, domestic abuse. Mm. Uh, but in the 80s, she became this power lady, the older power mm. lady. And I think she embraced this role. Um, she was known for cover songs. I, she did some incredible cover songs, but I think some of the music that came out, again, look at the 80s. She really got cooked up with the right producers and the right mm. uh, songwriters uh, who really, I think, found a way to, to kind of get things out of her. So, um, yeah, I mean, Tina, when I think about her at 45, she died at like 83. I never mm. thought of her as 83, even up to now. You know, I always thought of her. Oh, no, yeah. As, um, so, yeah, that's what I have. I know you have a lot more to add to this, Dave. So I'm going to turn that back over to you. No, I love Tina Turner. Uh Amazing. She was, and Coop and I talked about this before the show too. She was sort of touring up until recently, like not yeah. full time, but like we'd go and still do shows. Yeah. Which is pretty incredible. And her, I'll mention it before, but she was even recording vocals uh, like in 2000 and 2020. So she wasn't doing like full albums or anything, but she was still like in the studio. Um, So that's, Still up until quite recently. I mean, I think she sort of faded from view a lot because she wasn't putting out like records and stuff. Um, but I always loved Tina Turner. She always had a great energy performing. 
thing. Um, like Coop said, she was a survivor of TV from Ike, who Ike only admitted it when he wanted to do a, a, reunif- a, re- a reuniting tour with her and get like money. Oh yeah, That's the I mean, only time. No, I'm gonna. She's I'm gonna like, put, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna put a video out there where Ike just like is. You want to see what a dumpster fire oh, this guy is? He's God. a total piece of work. I mean, and he he just like for years he denied it, right? Yes. He went, he went ape shit on the movie, right? That mm. he never backed down on. He thought the movie was an absolute hatchet job on him, right? But then later in life, like I said, he started admitting things because, like I said, he wanted to see if he could get back in tour. Yes, right. That was that was Ike. Ike didn't care about that, and she and she was like, no, no, no. <laughs> no. So, and I think because of her, her book and then her talking about the book, I know a lot of people, a lot of women who experienced domestic violence themselves, found a lot of strength in her story of survival and stuff, and really credited her with like helping them get out of relationships or helping them um, heal from what they experienced. So her talking about her DV story really helped a lot of people. Yep, so yep. good on her for that. And not just that, but like to come out of that. And then like you said, Coop have this power move where she just takes over pop music. Yeah. And you think about the eighties, like, and you think about women in pop. I mean, she was every, I mean, she was everywhere. It was like what heard Madonna really. Yeah. It was, uh, and and actually, that's, pretty popular. I'm, I'm glad you said that because when we get to the wrap up, I have a question about that. So I want you to hold oh. that. Yeah, um, um, but she was huge. She was, and she came. It was interesting because her comeback coincided with Cindy Lauper's rise at that point yes. and Madonna's rise. Yeah, um, well, I think yeah, yeah. I think the other thing too is that what Coop said, and we'll touch on it here. She's she's been in a lot of. Uh, movies as well. So she yeah. was sort of like me in the eighties. It was like she was everywhere. She was in movies. She was on the radio. Yeah. Um, on videos. Videos were great, by the way. Um, she was kind of everywhere. She has a star in the uh, so she's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with Ike and as a solo artist. Only recently she got in as a only solo recently artist. she yeah. got in a solo. Yeah. Yep. Which I was surprised I think, about. I think twenty twenty was it? Or yeah. Was it early? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so she's, and she also has a star in the rock and roll hall of fame. She has tons of Grammys. Um, she's in the Grammy hall of fame, which I didn't know they had. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they I, do. I, I, yeah. I, I gotta be honest. I forgot they had it. So. <laughs> I didn't know until I read it. Yeah. Um, she also, uh, played, it said here that she played a solo show for a crowd of 180,000 people. Wow. That was an That's Australia, pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, and we have a we have a soft spot for her in Australia, and I'll explain why in a little bit. Okay. Uh, but Coop, her first record, her first solo record, Tina turns the country on in 1974. Wow. She covers a Dolly Parton song. There'll always be music. So she, did, I don't think she's same with Dolly, but she covered one of her songs. Dolly put out a. Uh, a condolence um, for her when I yeah. when, uh, heard the news. But yeah, so she covered a Dolly song on that uh, record. You know, um, Private Dancer, which was the comeback album we're going to talk a lot about. A lot of people oh, think yeah. that was her first solo album. She no, had yes, before no. But 74. 74, yeah. And I think um, that's still before she, I, she kicked Ike out. So, so this is her first solo record. 
um was 70 was this one that one 74 yep. um but no so we're going to talk a lot of tina today we're going to talk a lot of great music and i think this would be a lot like harry our harry belafonte show coop where we both i think have some good deep tracks yep i think we do too yeah yep uh that that people will get uh will get a chance to to check out so that's oh, great very oh, great good. yep yep and and i think it's there's also um like a harry when we talked a lot about harry being versatile covering a lot mm. of different types of music Tina, well, she had this reputation as queen of rock and roll she still covered a lot of different areas. Yeah. Um, and oh, we're yeah. going to get into that as well. So why don't you kick us off, Coop? I mean, probably you got probably one of the biggest, biggest songs up front. Yep. Up top. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm starting going back to 1966 and the track is River Deep Mountain High. Mm, a great, great track. Great track. Mm. It's a Phil Spector written track. It's got this like psychedelic gospel and soul music all put up into one package which i really really like um mm. now the there's a couple of interesting facts i was reading some stuff uh, you know just about this track um this came from the bbc is um while the song's credited as to the duo uh specter didn't want the controlling ike in the studio right That's so a good idea. so basically Tina was happy to work with someone else and they tried to keep ike out as oh, much as possible yes, like, there you go ike again right um and what was interesting about her is um, she was, like, amazed by his whole – we talked about that wall of sound of his, right? Mm. And she never saw anything. Like, Phil Spector's wall of sound, it was this technical, like, environment. And she had never seen anything like this. You know, again, she's the girl from Tennessee that did this, right? Um, mm. The track actually – you think about this track. It actually bombed in the U.S., Right. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah, it went but then it went to Europe and Tina always had a big following in Europe, even going back this far. Mm. Uh and then was Spectre who was very happy. Um you know, even though he was this is where he was starting to withdraw from the music industry post Beatles. Well. Um but um what happened is the song at the time this is a lot of songs got covered by other bands. Deep Purple, uh was Eric Burden and the Animals cover it. They re release it. Uh, in '69, and it becomes a big hit. So, okay. so yeah, that um, but yeah, a little Beatles connection with Tina Turner and uh, you know, here through through Phil Spector, and I love this. Like I said this track is just mm. again. I just wish Ike's name wasn't on it, but <laughs> that's true. That'll be a that'll be a theme in this show that we wish Ike's name wasn't on it. But but, but, um... but, but, but you know, again, we got to give Ike his due. He, this guy was a pioneer in the music business, and I want—I don't want to say he had nothing to do with this song either. He, I think Phil Spector just wanted him out of the studio. Yeah, you know, now, probably Ike. Ike, uh, go do some coke, you know, or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I mean, Phil too, not the best. Uh, Phil's not the best either. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I mean, it's an iconic song. You know, I mean, it's a great, great track. It and gets, she actually this one is I Ross's track sometimes, but it's such a great song, yeah. Mm. She was in um she was in that Beatles movie. What was it, Sergeant Peppers? Is that the movie? I think she had a role in that, you're right. Yeah, she was like some bystander or something. Yeah. So yeah, there, I think she was in that. So another Beatles connection. There's another music connection, uh movie music connection that we'll go over later that I will not I will not spoil now. Um but I'm going to start off with probably this is the first song I can remember hearing from Tina Turner. This is my first experience of Tina Turner. 
and that was what's love got to do with it um this was the big, one her, that big, her biggest single yeah yep her biggest single it never got number one coop um it got to number it was on number two forever and the reason for that is it came out at the same time as when doves cry yeah, and it could not knock that song off um which was a which was sort of it's sort of like all the people that played basketball around the time of Michael Jordan. That's just a problem. Yeah. Um yeah, it so it was at number two forever. It was her highest selling single. And like Coop said, it really it, it put her over the top, this song. Um like I said, it's the first song I remember listening to from from Tina. It was originally offered to Cliff Richard, who yeah, knocked it back. I didn't know that until you said that, yeah. He knocked it back, and then Coop, it went to Donna Summer. Which and I then, could see Donna pulling this off. But then Donna kind of just like didn't record it for a couple right. of years, just didn't do anything with it. Yep. So then it got to Tina, who then took it to the stratosphere. Um, it's 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 a, I love this song. Like, it's incredibly catchy. It's got that classic sort of Tina. At this time, that classic arrangement is sort of like, you know what I mean? Like these really sort of sultry verses with this like really rocking raw chorus like she always had these like big choruses and stuff in her songs uh this is sort of a classic arrangement that she has here um but yeah. also i was mentioning she did a re there's a remix of this done by a, a dj and producer um kaigo kaigo does a lot of great re he does whitney houston yeah so he did this in 2020 and actually tina went in and record and re-recorded vocals for it I am so, a huge Kygo fan, by the way, with the work he does. And that is great yeah. what he's done with that. Yes. So so she put so she re-recorded the vocals, and this is actually her last recording. Was this one in 2020? Oh, was, wow. was redoing this song. So when you hear it, it's not just remixed, like it's actually her vocal. Like she's redoing it. So so she's singing it again. Um and on the on the single cover, it's like him and her both on the cover. So it's yeah. um so yeah it's her last recorded recorded music is that is that track wow um I know yeah a couple little tidbits on this song um it was written by a duo by the name of Terry Britton and Graham Lyle who would yeah. become very synonymous with several Tina Turner songwriting mm -hmm. and then Terry Britton was the producer of this song mm -hmm. and this is a great case I think Terry Britton's role of Right, right song for the right vocalist, and 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 they not only did they deliver a song for her, but they, you know they would get that sound for her, like you said. This song, mm. this song, when it came to the Grammys, really did good. It was a, it was record of the year and song of the year. Yeah. So yeah, it did it did very. This was a massive hit for her. Oh, huge hit! Yeah. Now I'll talk about another song that I think actually led to the comeback. I don't consider this the comeback song. But this yeah. one was the one that put her over the top. And then when it tops the Grammys and everything. Uh, and then some other things that happened after the release of this record that I think contributed to that, too. So do you consider the comeback like pre this record, like right pre this, before it? One before it, record right before yeah. it. There's actually, yeah. I'll actually talk about the scenario, how that happened. Yeah. Okay. But, but I don't want to give it away what the song is yet. But what I'll say is um, it, it paved the way for this one. And it's on the Private Dancer album because this was the second single release from Private Dancer. Private Dancer. We're going to talk about that album a lot. Yeah. Um, it, it, Dave, I got to just mention it. Sorry to interrupt. 
I with this doing this exercise, I did not. I think I really underestimated how good her album Private Dance was. I, I don't think good. I ever gave it its credit until doing this exercise. I'm like, this is a really, really good album. Yeah. Yes, people yeah. need to listen to that album, and we will okay. get to why later in the show. But yep. you got a cover next. I got another cover. Um, yeah. because you stole my next song. <laughs> oh, did I? Sorry about that. No, no, no. You're, they, it's okay. You always have first crack, and, and I always told you because we could always both talk about. Um, I can hear like again, Beatles. The Beatles connection was another thing I kind of just I knew about, and uh, you mentioned she was she had that role in Sergeant Pepper's um the movie. But you know, you put you kind of connect the dots. Her and Ike did a a um a great cover of "Come Together," mm-hmm. um, which a lot of people say "Come Together" was covered better than like by everyone else but the Beatles, right? Because a lot of people <laughs> talk about Aerosmith's cover of it. Uh, her and Ike do a cover of this, and her vocals just absolutely shine on this. Just picture those raspy vocals, like those deeper raspy vocals doing this song, right? Um, her vocals really, really shine on this. And again, you know, this Beatles connection, we talked about, um, you know, we just talked about the whole Phil Spector. She's also covered help on some B-sider as well later in her career. But but I think, you know, if you haven't heard the Tina Turner, the Ike and Tina Turner version of Come Together, hmm. this is where you kind of get, this is this track, her voice, with, and you know that, that those, uh, uh, juju eyeballs and all that. Like, mm. It just blends great with this, and that's why I put this in here. A little bit of a deeper track, but a great one here. No, I love that. We're yeah. going to have a lot of... Yeah. I think I have four have covers, covers I've done. I have several covers on here, but they're really good ones, yeah. She did a lot of covers and a lot of collaborations really yeah. well. I have some so collaborations, those, those too. I have two up. collaborations, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, excellent cover. I love it. Yeah, I love yeah, it. I, yeah. The next track I have is uh, simply the best. Now that oh, this is yeah, people are like, but I know the song, but for some reason, uh, rugby league here in Australia, which is based was rugby, but it's not union; it's another version. For some reason, they got Tina Turner to come out in I think the eighties and do like an ad campaign. And while she was out here, she did a record with Jimmy Barnes, who's like a big Jimmy. Uh, yep. Yeah, he's, so he's like an Australian rock and roll idol, like icon. Like he yep. was part of Cold Chisel here, which Australians would know that band, like classic kind of rock. Think of it like in the same mold as like an ACDC or it's like classic rock. Um, And they did a record together and they did this song together. So the version I have of the best is a duet with um, Tina Turner and Jimmy Barnes. And they did this record together, did the song together. It was a theme song for rugby here. And she came out to Australia a couple times to do stuff. And for some reason, there's been a very uh, close relationship between Tina Turner and Australia for whatever reason. Um, Yeah. Tina says, like, if you watch, and I watched several Tina interviews yesterday. This is the song she's most proud of. She mm. loves this song. It and you listen to Jimmy Barnes' version, you'll you'll it's great as well. But it's got mm. th- that intro is so good. That dun dun dun. I just love the chords in this, and her mm. she's got a little bit of a sultriness in those intro vocals, right? And then she kind of opens it up, which is really good. 
Jim, I'll give you another Jimmy Barnes tidbit. You know, he was Ooh. he was considered to replace Michael Hutchins and actually did perform. Was with he? In excess. Yes. He did perform with, with uh, in excess um, about a year after Michael died. Uh, they were looking okay. at him and Terrence Trent Darby at one point. Neither really? ended up getting it. Yeah. But but um, but yeah, Jimmy Barnes performed with them uh, several times. I don't think he would have been the right fit. I'll be honest with no. you. He's too but, rock and roll, I think. Yeah, but they, they did it because, you know, everyone got behind in excess when Michael died. Jimmy's mm. kind of like a, a, an Australian icon. It was kind of oh, like, is, yeah. you know, supporting yeah. your Australian brother in there. But 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 he was considered. I know he was considered for that job. Yeah. I don't think he would have taken it either, though. No. Yeah. No, no, I agree. Yeah. But this is a great I, – I would say this is also my favorite Tina Turner attack. It's so Ooh. well – it's such a great song, and you're right. It's used for sporting events. So, and Tina yeah. knew this. Tina actually said this in interviews, like because they were fighting not to put this song, I think, on the the greatest hits album. Oh, really? Which you just wonder what goes through a record producer's yeah, mind. What, is, what are they? Thinking? And Tina said, "No, this is something that that could be used at sporting events and stuff." She actually thought about this. Like, I got a song, my favorite Tina Turner song. Actually added late because I saw that it wasn't on the list. I thought you were going to put it on your list, and you didn't, so I added it. Okay, I gotta tell me which one it was. I, I well, we when we get there. Yeah, tell I me what it was. Yeah, but it, but yeah, but no, it's a great song. Um, where? But I yeah, but I have the uh, duet version. Yep. Oh, okay. We got another got another song here. Oh, you're Another going in chronological order. I like that. Yeah, I went chronological order because I was actually going through the uh, discography of this. Another cover, but another great one. Uh, it's I Want to Take You Higher from 1970, which was covered from Sly and the Family Stone, right? Great track. Uh, yeah. Yep. Um, and a little known fact that like, this is a very much a song associated with Sly and the Family Stone. Uh, but yes. this was done by Ike and Tina Turner as well. And the Ike and Tina version actually charted higher than the Sly and the Family Stone version of this. Did it? I didn't know that. Yeah. So uh, I like this track, despite the fact Ike is on it. But um, but I like it. <laughs> but um, again, yeah. Tina's vocals steal the show on this one. I mean, mm. and again, her, these first three tracks heard Ike and Tina Turner. She had a little bit of a different. There was a little bit of a psychedelic vibe to a lot of these songs that she did. This one's a really funky version of "I Want to Take You High," much more funkier than the than the yes. original "Sly and the Family" uh, uh, Stone one. This is where I'll give some Ike some credit. Ike always got some very good musicians in for these tracks, and there's a really good horn section in this in this particular song. Mm. And I just think it really complements again to put the spotlight on Tina because this is what today's about. Her, it just compliments Tina's vocals beautifully in this. Um, I I don't remember her like singing this song a lot when she went in concert later on, but no. I think she focused. But again, I, I, check this version out. It's it's a really good version. No, she um, it'll be a theme with her. She covered songs really well, like put her own sort of spin on them. Always. Um. Yeah. Did did really well with that. Yeah. And that's yeah. an example. I mean. In it's interesting because I picked a very psychedelic song as well, which I love, and that's Acid Queen. Absolutely. Oh. Now, there's a couple versions of it. So the version I have is like the record version. There's also the version she did in Tommy, where she is the Acid Queen, which is a bit different. 
So on the song list, I have both versions, the Tommy version and the one on the this like studio version. Um, what I like about the studio version, it's very trippy. It has this raw sort of like power to it because she is the acid queen. And it's just like, it's just very psychedelic, very, just a very cool song. Good, good vibe to it. I really love this song. Uh, and her vocal in it is great. Um, yeah, I love, I love Acid Queen. I just love I it. Tell. Like the, 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 like everything about it is great and that she's doing it. Um, yeah, love it. Love it. And again, you, you look at where she, the path she crossed, right? Mm. Uh, we talked about some of these Beatles kind of, you know, here she's crossing it with the Who, mm -hmm. um, covering Sly and the Family Zone. Tina got this reputation for being the queen for a reason. Okay. Yes. And we talk about this versatility and stuff, and 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 again, the movie roles. This is you know we've mentioned three movies already of hers. Yes. So, uh, yeah, just incredible. She's just such a talent coop, like across the board. Yeah. You know, like musically. Concerts were great, going on yeah. in movies, just amazing. You know, your comment about her notes about uh, she's trippy and raw in this song, right? Yes. It's exactly yeah. what this is. Yeah. Her rawness was actually her strength, I think, in a lot of ways. Mm. And there was an elegance to her rawness sometimes, yeah. Well, it's a, I mean, to have her vocal and pull off some of the, like, ballads and stuff she does yeah. is pretty good because yeah. it's a pretty rocky vocal. Yeah. Oh, another, another cover by Coop. Right, but this is the song that was the comeback song. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's do this. So, 1983, she covers Al Green's Let's Stay Together. I know it's another mm, cover, but yeah, I had yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this was the start of the Tina Turner comeback. This was the first single off Private Dancer. And really, mm. in the early 80s, she had no record contract. Okay? um, And she basically hooks up with this electro-pop duo called Heaven 17. Uh, which uh, a couple of members, Glenn Gregory and Martin Ware, and she hooks up with them, and she uh, records this song originally, um, and then she goes on British uh, a British show called The Tube, and this performance she does with Heaven Seventeen was like the her her version of of Let's uh, Let's Stay Together just kind of blew up in Britain, and again Tina had this big following in Europe. You got to remember that. Um, but the song got so much uh, attention from that performance that she ended up recording this for the Private Dancer album. And this one right. was the one that came out. But I believe if this didn't happen, if this scenario didn't happen, that she did this recording with the uh, with the duo, I don't think we would have seen what happened with what Love got to do. I think it might have gotten lost. Mm. But mm. Tina was, when Private Dancer came out, you know, everyone had, known about or a lot of people in the music knew about this uh recording and it really i think took it took on its own and she does a um again you know her voice you go back to that voice her voice is incredible and oh. it's it's a little bit of a rawness like i said this is like a rawness but there's mm. some elegance because she she'll sing some raw vocals and then she'll do a refrain the refrain on the chorus let's stay mm. together and it's and it's it's so well done and um it's uh, it's it's fantastic. I mean, I just love this this again. Another, I think, cover that's better than the original by her. Nice. No, I I agree. I mean, her covers are really well done. Yeah. yeah. And I have one right here. This is my first cover. Um, 
I have original so, stuff coming, so I'll assure you. Oh, that. yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So what Coop was sort of saying about, you know, the queen and who she's, she's like doing stuff with the who, doing stuff yep. with the Beatles, doing all it. Um, she's an amazing live, and a lot of her best collaborations were live. Like she absolutely. Just... Yeah, go ahead, Coop. Absolutely, I was gonna say yep. Because and and which are hard, which when we're doing a song list on Spotify is difficult because like you can't find them. But the song I have is a change is gonna come live. Uh, this is obviously the um Sam Cooke, uh, cover, and and I think. What what I the reason I picked this is is I want to showcase her range as well. So to Coop's point, this is off of a live in Europe record in 1988. So like to your point about being big in Europe, this is a Europe record. Also on this record, she does um, songs with both. Uh, she does songs with Bowie and Eric Clapton on this record. Look at the names we've been just throwing out on here tonight. She, yeah, now, yeah, I'm just gonna I was gonna throw names out now. Exactly. So she does she does that with Bowie and Eric Clapton. She's done stuff with Elton John. She's done stuff with Mick Jagger. She also, in 1969, was at a concert and went on stage and did songs with Janis Joplin. Wow, I didn't know which, that one. Which you see that picture, and it's crazy. She did the Grammys uh, in 2008 with Beyonce, which we'll get to. So she's, like, collaborating with everybody. Uh, we have another collaboration I'll get to, but I think all these collaborations to Coop show what an artist she is and like how much she is about the music. Cause she's just like playing with everybody. Like everybody wants to play with her. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, like you're not just going to get in 1988, you're not just going to get Bowie and Clapton to just roll out of bed. Like, I mean, they're, they're going to want to do it, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. And yep. Which is crazy. So what I, what I like a change is going to come is it showcases her range and that there's a very sort of gospel song. Yeah. And that sort of raw rock is, is is kind of put to the side. And she very she leans into this more gospel sort of like very powerful gospel kind of vibe. Right. Uh, which is a lot different than you would expect from listening to her other tracks. So it just shows a bit of her a bit of her range, which is why I picked this one. And it shows yep. a bit of like that sort of live energy. Yeah. You know, but when I go back to River Deep Mountain High. She, mm. You get hints of that gospel, and this one's a lot mm -hmm. more prominent. I agree with you on that. Yeah, and again, I think her versatility was so underestimated here. Yes. Yeah. Because, because, yeah, because you look at a lot of these songs that have really powerful choruses and, refer and refrains, like you say, but like the 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 verses and stuff are very sort of, um, are very smooth and like really, really um, sultry and 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 seductive and you know, not what you would think. So she's, you could kind of, so she's got a lot of range. Yeah. That I think, yeah, like you said, people underestimate. I agree with yep. that. Oh, you're one of your favorite. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. So now, so now we're getting in your song list. Anyway, we're getting to like prime comeback era. Tina here. Yes. Yes, we are. Um, following let's stay together. And then following, uh, what's love got to do with it. The third track from Private Dancer comes out. And it's better be good to me. Mm. This this was the song that blew me away. Um, loved everything about this song. This was much more of a rock song 
And when I say yes. rock, I'm not talking like traditional. Like he did a lot of traditional rock and roll. But here is more of a pop rock, a little bit of a harder edge here. Yeah. Uh, she yep. delivers the vocals with a harder edge here. Uh, this was a song written by someone by the name of Holly Knight, who's done a lot of songwriting. Um, again, it's the right song for the right vocalist here. They tried, so they tried to do a disco. Re like, actually, they did a disco remix for this. Okay, mm -hmm. it was mm -hmm. admirable. It actually was right. So they were playing this in some of the dance clubs on uh, the trot because it, there's a little bit. Some of the melodies, if you kind of remix them, you can get you could get into a dance song. And I did go. But I always thought this song was about Tina the Rocker here. This was just a rock song that she did. And it was really good. And I think now she follow like she does Let's Stay Together, the soulful cover. What's mm -hmm. Love Got to Do with It, which is more of a pop pop ballad to some extent. I don't yes. know if that's the right word. It's not a pure ballad, but then she comes and does this rock song. And like Tina was Tina the Rocker here. I mean, and she just mm. And she's great at it because, you know, she just, she just, those voice again is just incredible. Mm. Again, a little sultriness at times. And, uh, and again, yeah. when she goes into the chorus and does some of these refrains. That's just where you see the strength of her here. Mm. And no Ike. No. And no Ike. That was the best part. Get, get out. <laughs> no, Ike's gone I mean, on my I list, have... by the way. Ike, there's no more Ike on my list. So <laughs> get out. I have a, I have a, couple more because i kind of jumped all over the place yeah. um that's okay i got i can't stand the rain oh what a great track. what a great yeah and this also i think showcases her versatility because in in that i can't stand the rain chorus she sort of she kicks it up a couple noctives more than you think right that i can't stand the rain and yeah. she really like hits hits it high which you're not used to. You're used to this yeah. listener just belt it out, mm -hmm. you know. Yep. Um, great vocal power in this song. This this kind of has now this whole record, the Private Dancer record, and kind of around this time, you have this classic sort of Tina synth arrangement. Yeah, I'm like going to talk about one in a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, it's sort of this. When you hear it, you know you know what it is. It's yeah. a classic kind of arrangement that she has. Um. This song, I think, has that, but also has, I put in my notes, more of an Annie Lennox vibe. Like, there's more of that kind of darker, deeper tone to the song that, like, Annie Lennox would bring with her sort of solo stuff. Um, very cool song. Uh, did it, it was a good single for her as well. Um, great song. I loved it. I like the song a lot. Yeah, it was a cover, too, this song, too. Um, mm. And... We talked about the first three singles on Private Dancer. The fourth single was the title track. Mm -hmm. And the fifth single was this one. So this one I would consider a deeper track, though. Yeah. Did well, though. Yeah. Um. Now, yeah, I mean, it was, but it did well. Exactly. It did well. It had this new wave-ish type of feel to it, too, this song. I yeah. Thought. That's why I got that, like, Annie lennox -y. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it has that classic sort of Tina synth arrangement, but it's just a little bit different. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I agree with you. Now, another interesting tidbit about this song. Oh, here we go. Um, when it was released as a single, there's a live, the B sides, a live version of a song called Let's Pretend We're Married by Prince. Oh, which is really, a, yes, 
Yep. Huh. But it's a live version that's on there. But I yeah, love a, that I love was, a and this was again, it was, and and this song got again. I think this is another case where it actually did. Um, the, actually, the B side is did very well in, in the UK. But let's pretend "We're Married" is a classic. It's a it's a classic Prince song from the 1999 album. Nice. We're yeah. gonna do a B side show. We, you know, we have to do a B side show. I agree. We have to. That's something that we definitely should do. We'll have to add that to the list. And I just wrote it down. List, yeah, list, absolutely. List. We have to do B sides. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good, good call. Now this, I knew you were going to pick this song. And I'm this glad is, you did. Oh, man. So this is, this is a Mount Rushmore song for both artists and me. Now this so, was a big song for them, wasn't uh, it? If I remember correctly. It was. And here was the amazing thing. is This wasn't recorded on, T- on Tina Turner's album. It, it's a duet with Brian Adams, and it's on his Reckless album. Yes. This was yes. the sixth single off the Reckless album. God and this sick. did this was a monster and, and the song is it's only love mm. um this is i mean the story with this and I, I actually know this song very well is that originally so private dancers is a lot of different songwriters that are on private dancer brian adams was contacted to do a song for private dancer and brian was like thank you very very much um uh, but like we're really focusing on reckless. Um, and we just, you know, mm-hmm. we have for me to write another song. Um, yeah. For this was, was, it was just kind of complicated for him to do. Mm-hmm. But what happened is, um, he said, Hey, maybe Tina would like to do this one song I wrote for the album, but it's going to be on my album called, uh, it's only love. So he reaches mm-hmm. out to, to Tina's people. I heard Brian tell the story, uh, in an interview in a, last, a yeah. couple of nights ago. So he reaches out to the Tina Turner people. He doesn't get a response. Right. <laughs> so Tina Turner comes comes into Vancouver where Brian Adams is based. She's he's in town. He said, "Let me take another shot at this, right?" And this time it gets to Tina, and Tina's like, um, "Yeah, come, come, yeah, I, I, I want to talk to you, right? Come down to the come down to the concert. We'll talk after the concert." He goes down to the concert, right? He's That's backstage, so and after that, she says, like, she's basically going, "Where's Brian? Where's Brian?" Right? Going to try to find Brian, and um. Brian appears and she's like, I love this song. I want to do it. Let's go record this. Right. And they go and record this. Right. And it is. And on top of that, he ended up becoming an opening act for her because. Yes, this was reckless was being made a little after private dancer. So there was a little bit Mm -hmm. of an overlap, but Mm -hmm. he goes. So he was the support act for for Tina. He got very close with Tina um, during that tour. There were even rumors they were involved, by the way. Which I don't Ooh. think were true. I don't think they were true. Tina, they were. Right. They were even. And he's like in his twenties, and she's in his forties, right? Hey, man. And uh, and look, he. If you ever now again, you talk about live some of the live stuff. The mm. music video was actually shot during a live performance, right? All right. Yeah. And if you watch the 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 body language with these two on stage, it is she's playing the power older woman, but he's playing the tough guy, like. And it's just this this dynamic that they had. They've performed live a couple of times with this song too. But apparently, with that clip, Tina was uh, Tina invited Brian on stage uh, during her set to perform this, which was where the video was shot. Oh, nice! Yeah, nice. But this, but this song, what I love about it, and, and again, vocals. She has such great. 
Yeah. Brian Adams is raspy too. So these two have a very yeah, raspy yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, there's yeah, yeah. a hard pause where the song just stops. Mm. And then they mm-hmm. Brian hits the guitar. And it's just it's you can I listen to it about this is one of my favorite tracks off the Reckless album. Uh it is just I love a good hard pause of the song. I love yeah. a good hard pause of the song, yeah. And this one, um this you know, mm. Brian Adams that was Reckless was very much a, a rock album too. Uh, yes, yeah. it was it was it was it was not synthesizers by any means. So uh but really, really uh, I just love this track. Um and I think people they may not know like people know this song, even though they may not be deep into Brian. I am a big Brian Adams guy Oh yeah, thought, I think people till, know till he song, had the yeah. beginning of the end later on, but uh yeah. mm. but uh but yeah, he was um when he was doing the interviews because everyone contacted him and he was visibly shaken up uh even to a couple mm. points where he didn't like, he was like I'm, you know this is hard for me to do and all he was very close with tina mm. uh and they, like i said there's some other youtube videos you could see him performing uh all those other songs with her so it's 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 yeah. not a lot of them i think there's a, only a, i should say there's other there's a couple of youtube videos out there with this so not great pick great song yeah huge song when it came yep. out yep um i have a song not, that's huge here, but it's not Bush City Limits, Coop. Oh, man. Now, love this song. I don't know how this happened. I, I have to look more into the lore of this. I have not. But it is a huge line dance song here in Australia for some reason. Really? Like, you play this song at, like, kids' dances in, like, grade three, and they all, like, get in line and, like, dance to it. Yeah. This is a huge. For whatever reason, it's a huge line dance song, and everybody loves it. It gets played here constantly. You, you go to like any Australian, and they know this song. Um, so it's huge. I mean, it's just a huge part of Australian sort of culture for some reason, and we love Tina Turner, and this is this is part of that. The nut, uh, all my Australian listeners right now are like, "Oh yeah, there this, it is." I just did a quick Google. This came up um, as the disco in the beginning of the disco era. Yeah, yeah. But it really wasn't a disco. It had a little bit of funkish vibe to it. But, uh, but yet it, it got it turned into like a line dance song. Yeah, yeah. It did, and and this song, Dave, it was again, it's funky. There's a country rock element to this. Yeah, <laughs> it's really a you know you know what Nutbush is, right? Yeah, yeah. It's where she was born. Yeah, it's yeah. Well, yeah. I was. I'm surprised, like, that first solo album she did is a country record. Like, just the country side of her yeah, is surprising. Yeah. Mm. It, 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 I, have a, I have another one that's going to come up, too, later. That's, so she has touched this at times. But you remember where she came from? She uh, She's Western Tennessee, Memphis area. Yes. Yep. So yeah, yep. Nutbush is kind of in the Memphis area. It's outside of Memphis, that area. Oh, love it. But yeah. yeah, so my another huge Australian connection. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I was we I was listening to this song, the next song. I was listening to it today, singing yep. it in the car. Yep. Um, this it's is. Re- <laughs> no, go ahead. Oh no, I'm just reading your notes as you're going. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, so the songs we don't need another hero. Uh, Thunderdome. Mm. Uh, from the Mad Max movie Beyond Thunderdome. Um, this song I mean, is so good. It's so good. Yeah, it actually inspired a, a show on What Embargo. See, okay, 
Another reason what embargo needs to come back. Seth, yeah. Tuna, I know you're a busy man. I'm trying to get you on this show, but we need what embargo. I love yeah, no, it. No, we do. Um, we, you know, we've kind of dabbled of a Thunderdome concept of two songs or two albums and two artists. Like, I have. Oh yeah, it. yeah. But I think it would be a cool concept to kind of do this because. Oh, just yeah. Tina in charge of the Thunderdome, man. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Her vocals made this what a soundtrack song should be. Oh yeah, it totally did. Um, now she was like, this is Thunderdome kind of came when Private Dancer was in its in its peak, and she was sought out for uh, obviously movies at this point. Big and movie she, too, like follow up to Mad Max. Really good movie. Her, her performance was well received in this too. Mm -hmm. Uh, and she you know she played a character named Auntie in this movie. And she really connected with this character because so she was strong and resilient. Um, and she said, you know, she lost so much and then she went through so much to get the men in the world to respect her. She goes, I can relate to the struggles because I lived it. This is oh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it really was. You think about that and you go back to that character. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, one thing, you know, again, I go back with videos. God, I, love this song. Like, yep. I love the song. I hate the videos that's just like movie promos. And unfortunately, that's yeah. what they, that's what they yeah. did with this one. Yeah. Um, but that saying it, uh, I think it might have gotten some people out to see the movie too. Well, you definitely. So, yeah. So, but the, like I said, her vocals just again, I just keep going back to the vocals. Uh she kind of on the chorus, you know, again, this is where she really shines on that chorus. When she said, when she sings those lyrics, we don't need another hero. It's just very powerful on that. Oh, great pick, Coop. Yeah, yeah. I'm also gonna go with the soundtrack uh, tr track, uh, and that's the that's the the lead track, the title track for Goldeneye, which she did for the Bond movie. One, yeah. This was '95. This was for the what Pierce Brosnan, I think it was at that. Or no, Richard Dalton. Timothy oh, Dalton. Pierce Richard Dalton, yeah. Terry Dalton. That was that that was his that was his one, ninety-five. Um and I mean and she does a lot of like it just it just feeds back into her history with movies and stuff. The song was written by Bono and the Edge, Coop, which I did not know until I, I did some research on this. Um I just again, think she's the perfect she's boss. look like she's crossing again, yeah, exactly. And it was Pierce Perfect Bronson, by the way. This wasn't the Pierce Bronson movie, yeah. Pierce Bronson, yeah. Yeah. Perfect Bond singer. Like you listen to this, and it's like that, it's sort of like that gives you a little a little bit of that Eartha Kit vibe coop. A little bit Eartha Kit. I mean, that's like the perfect that's like the best Bond song ever. But it gives yeah. you a little bit of that vibe because it's 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 raw, but it's that little bit sexy, and it's got that like Bond sort of like vibe to it as well. It's a great, it's a great song. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you said, a lot of people might have forgotten that she did that song to that Bond, to that Bond movie, that Goldeneye. Yep. By by Tina. Yeah, ninety five, which is a bit which is a bit after her comeback. But uh, it was a huge song, big movie. So yeah. And and you know what? When the Bond movies, we could always do a Bond show mm. at, at some point. Um, with Bond music, they always tried yep. to get like. The, the, when yes. an artist got asked to do the Bond song, it was a big deal. It you know, was. Paulie I mean, Simon, it still Durand, is, really. Durand, yeah, Durander. Aha did one, I believe, too. Yes. Aha even did, and they were pretty good with it, yeah. But it was always... I like, mean, yeah, yeah, Billie was, Eilish, what, Adele did one, didn't she? Did yeah. Jack White do one or something? I believe so. 
Anyway. Uh, but the Bond songs were always big, and 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 Tina was absolutely the perfect Bond. Um, mm. so. You know what's interesting? You mentioned Eartha Kitt, right? And I go back Love to Eartha the Kitt. Mad Max movie. She had a little bit of Eartha Kitt quality in that movie too. Love Eartha Kitt. Yeah, yeah. Also, a great Catwoman. Eartha Kitt was. Love it. Yep. Everybody should love Eartha yeah. Kitt. Eartha Kitt's the best. Yeah. You got a track I listened to the other day. Um, in your next one that I think that I think is quite performed quite well. I think this song. It it is. Uh, we're now into '86, and um, she is uh done the follow up album, the private dance called "Break Every Rule," which I don't mm. think was as strong an album as "Private Dance." I mean, no, we were, no, it was but there not. were some good. There were a couple good tracks on this album, right? Yeah, and yeah. this one's typical male. Uh, yeah. Again, I love the vocals. She kind of is in this um song a little more of a storyteller in this song, right? Mm. Um, but I think the the only thing I'll say kind of negative on this song is I kind of felt that this had a little bit of the date of your Phil Collins No Jacket Required Syndrome. <laughs> At times I thought the melody was a little over engineered. I love that. It, it was a little I love how it's a pop. syndrome now. Yeah. A little bit of too much synth pop. But Tina's mm. vocals put this over the top, right? And it's kind of again she's playing that power woman role again in this. Like, uh, um, so I I do think it's still a very good song. Don't get me wrong. Um, but yeah, it, I think you know, it, it's yeah, it did well. It charted very well in the U.S. too. Yeah, I think I to your, getting to your, your your no jacket required syndrome. <clears throat> which, by the way, we're making that a show too. That is phenomenal. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Um, I think because that 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 classic sort of synth arrangement that a lot yeah. of her songs had, I could see how it could be overdone. Yeah, because um, it was just like it was like a similar arrangement to like three or four. You know, even more than that, like a bunch of different songs. So, yeah, I you know, it. if I had to say what kind of song this was, this was just a pop song she did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Um, And the thing is that like. There's nothing wrong with that, right? But Tina Turner had already like we've just been talking about all these other influences she had. Um, it was, um, you know, it it just was, um, you know, it kind of was a little different, right? Um, mm. so but she's very flirtatious in in the video in this song too. So it's kind of it's kind of again fits her and stuff. And this was another Terry Britton Graham Lyle song that was yeah. that was done, which. Again, they kind of were in a little more that synth pop vibe uh, with mm, that. With that. Mm, mm. No, oh, oh, had... oh, one more thing. One oh, more thing. Ahead. One more Go thing. Ahead. Very important. Phil Go Collins ahead. did the drums on this song. That's did the... he? Yes. Yes. I forgot to put that in the notes. Yeah. He does. Um, I I saw the songs you had. Uh huh. And I looked at my songs and I said, well, this song needs to be on. I thought Coop would have it. He does not. So I crossed out the song I originally had. Okay. And I put in my favorite Tina Turner song, which is Private Dancer. I almost again, I almost had this one. Um and it, I figured it would come up somehow, but I'm glad you put it in. Yes. I I, I did have I it. I love Private Dancer. Yeah, I, I wanted to spread it a little with that's why I actually put typical mailing in place in private dancer. I had private dancer right now. I love private dancer. I uh I love it. I love it lyrically. I love it. I love the song. I love her vocal on it. it. It's in this sort of history of like women singing songs, sort of celebrating, you know, quote unquote, like the working girl sort of thing. 
Yep. Um, I mean, I mean, even uh, I think Dolly Parton has on the record that she does nine to five on. She has a track about sort of call girl sort of thing, and it's like, hey, you know, don't. It's kind of like, who are you to put me down? Like I'm out here working in this man's world trying to get money. Like you know, I'm in charge of myself. You know, don't you say bad things about me. Um, it's in that sort of vein. I mean, Beyonce has another song about it on uh, Lemonade with uh, Six Inch Heels. Um, and it's, 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 I love it. I just love the lyrics of it. Um, I, I just love the song, Coop. Uh, guitar on this song was Jeff Beck, which is yep. interesting. Yep. Um, originally it was written for Dire Straits. Mark Knopfler wrote the song. Yep. And Mark Knopfler's like, uh, I don't think this is for a male singer. I think this would be better off if I didn't sing it. Um, and it ultimately they recorded the um they recorded the um instruments for it and then he's like uh, I don't want to do the vocal and so they had to sit on it I think contractually for a couple years and they did Tina yeah got to do that's it. exactly what happened yeah. yep and then Tina got to do it and uh and that's how that came about I don't think I I don't think Mark is a big fan of Jeff Beck's guitar in it no uh, but uh, but I love this song uh, because of Tina Turner. I love it. I love Private Dancer, which I think is next to What's Love Got to Do With It? Probably, would you think it's her next biggest song or like up there? Um, Maybe not her next biggest song, but it's quite popular. I don't think it charted as high as Better Be Good to Me, but by then it was a fourth single. But I mm. think as far as a fan thing goes, you know, this is the title track off the big album. Yeah. Um. So oh, I love private. I love private dancer. Yeah, I love and, this and, song. and this is again Tina as a storyteller in this. Mm. Now, from yeah. what I understand, Mark Knopfler had this song was written by him, but he felt they couldn't. He couldn't pull it off as a male singer. Was yes, part of the reason. Said, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, he, he did not like Jeff Beck's guitar yeah. solo in it at all. Yeah, you need to listen to the full version of this song. So it's a seven minute version on the album. It's mm. a clo- it's a closing track, I believe, off the album. Oh, I, believe, I, have to look, I don't know about that. I, I'm pretty that. sure it is the closing track. Oh, I'll take your word for it. Um, off that. Such uh, a great song. Yeah, so it, it definitely was. Um, I'm just I'm just fact checking that as we as we talk. Um, yes, it was the, a, it was the closing track. It's such a great song. Yeah, it, it is. Um, and no one no one pulls that off like um, no no one well, no it's one perfect. pulls it off. Yeah, like it, it's it, perfect it, for her. She is the private dancer in a lot of ways. It is perfect. I always thought, too, this was an interesting, like, they go, what's love got to do with it, which is a little more of a softer thing. Then they go harder edge with better be good to me. And then she comes then with private dancer, which, again, is a softer type of, of, again, another softer version kind of of this. Um, Perfect. Yep. Um. Keep us keep us going here, Coop. Ooh, okay. So you got some deep cut. Oh, deep cuts. Uh, yeah. This is a deeper cut, but it's a it's, it is I would say a popular one from from a lot of her. Yes. Uh, um, this is another song off Break Every Rule from 1986. Mm-hmm. It's called What You Get Is What You See. Uh, another Terry Britton Graham Lyle song, right? But this is a very different song that they do. This has mm-hmm. got more of a honky tonk vibe to it. Yes. Um. Yep. Yeah, I I uh, was pretty impressed with this, and it kind of is. I thought when this one came out, it was mm. more of a um, 
what's the word I'm looking for? It was more of a throwback. Um, I thought it was yeah. more of a throwback for her. Um, you yeah. know, with this, uh, it kind of reminded me a little of some of the Ike Turner days. Um, with this, and this that actually became mm. the second single. Uh, actually, it was this, I think it was the third. I want to say it's the third. Off the single. record. Yeah. Mm. Uh, back third. Where, where was it? maybe it wasn't third. Uh just looking. No, it was like fifth. It was like the fifth single of this album. Right. Uh, yeah. It was so it was um something like that. It was it was much later much later version of it what was done. But but uh I kind of really like this again. Um she actually if you go to the Tina Live album from nineteen eighty nine, um she has this on the live album as well. Um mm. and uh yeah, it was just like I said, it was more of this this honky tonk, a little more up tempo. I could see her singing this in a uh, a honky tonk bar, more or yeah. less. Um, they did some extended remixes off this too, but um, mm. I, I think a really really cool song, um, and uh, a little bit of a mandolin in there, which is really yeah. cool. Again, just again, it shows her versatility again, pulling this mm. this honky tonk song off at this point. Mm. No, great pick, and I'm glad you put that on there because. Of that sort of country rock vibe is definitely a part of her discography, but that people don't think of a lot. But it's definitely part of her career. Yeah, yeah. You go back to Nush Bush City Limits again. You yep. know, she's done it, but here in the so in her solo career, she puts this out. And uh, you know, like I said, yeah, this, yeah it, I thought it was a good song. Well, like that 1974 record, she's doing Dolly Parton covers. She's doing like Chris Christopherson covers, like. It's pretty crazy. I would have put stuff on there, but for whatever reason, they don't have that on Spotify here, so I didn't want to put songs look, off that look, first record. Look at but... what we've talked about. We've talked about rock, country rock, old school rock and roll, funk, psychedelic, uh, gospel, new well, wave. We mentioned, look at all the stuff we've mentioned tonight about this with her. We're, we're about to go jazz, my friend. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Good, 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 good. That was a good segue, yeah. <laughs> because I have, this isn't on a record of hers, it's on a record of by Herbie Hancock Herbie, in 2007. Yeah. And the record is called River, the Joni Letters. And they're all Joni Mitchell covers done by Herbie Hancock with a bunch of guest artists. One of the guest artists on it is actually Joni Mitchell, which this is a very late... Like, for Joni Mitchell to record something in 2007 is extraordinarily late in her career. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but um, she does a song... With Herbie Hancock, it's a it's a uh, a Joni Mitchell cover called Edith and the Kingpin, and it is so good. Yeah, it's incredible. I'm glad you included this one. She, it's Herbie's amazing. She tones it way down, and gives you more like a Billie Holiday sort yes. of jazz vibe. Totally. But she takes she takes that raw private dancer Thunderdome and just strips it way back, and goes. And goes really sort of that 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 Billy Holiday vibe. And the song's amazing. Herbie Hancock and Tina Turner are amazing together. And the fact that she does this record at all is incredible in 2007. And it is just an amazing song. Edith and the Kingpin. It is incredible. It's an incredible song. No, it, it totally is. And she's now in her late 60s doing this now at this point. Uh-huh. Yeah. But and still. Just the, <laughs> the ability to just take that vocal all the way back 
and fits so seamlessly in with Herbie Hancock is pretty amazing. It really is. Uh, what a great track that is. And, and Herbie Hancock is a very underrated person outside of the jazz realm. He's very well respected in the jazz ranks, but you know, a lot of people think of that song Rocket he did. And, you know, he's, he's yeah. more than just that. Trust me. What? I mean, look at look at look at all the people she's doing songs with here, Coop. And you're gonna get to another big one. It's just this like all the all the icons in like every genre you could think of. Yep. yep. Um. But yeah, and because you end yours with like another one that she's done a number of songs with, both live and and in studio. Yeah. Um. And I think another. She does this with uh, Rod Stewart. Mm. Uh. It takes two. Which is the cover of the classic Kim West and Marvin Gaye? Yes, I mean, and that is just an iconic duo. And and I'm not taking anything away from the Marvin Gaye Kim West, and that is a great one. Um, but you know, this is again a raspy male vocalist coming in with the raspy female vocals, but somehow they harmonize this really well, right? This yeah. song's more rock. It has more of a rock yes. type of vibe. Um, compared to the, I don't know how I describe the Marvin Gaye one. I mean, I guess you could say it's it's not quite R and B either. It's like, yeah. Was, but but yeah, this is a fantastic cover. Yeah. yeah, her her again. You talk about the energy she brings into these collabs. Uh, mm. and I and I love the Brian Adams one. This one's, I just could not not include this one. Is what I was. Oh, you'd have to. Yeah, I was I, close. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I just love this cover. I was close to including a live version she does with Rod Stewart. Uh, stay, stay with me. Yeah, so that's, that's a great one. Yeah. Oh, because their their vocals fit really well. I mean, their their pairings very yep. good together. Yeah. Um, but I was close to including that one, so I'm glad that you had this on here. Um, it's just I think too, a lot of people know Private Dancer that record and maybe a bit of her earlier stuff with Ike, but. The amount of collaborations she's doing and really high level work is incredible, really. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, we yeah. haven't even had the Mick Jagger stuff or anything. We didn't even get to that. I know. You know, that's just an afterthought, you know? It, and it, and well, the Elton yeah. John stuff, she did tons of stuff with Elton John. Yep. Um, mm. And I know there's others. Um, you, oh, you mentioned Beyonce, right? And Janet Saplin. So, yeah. Yeah, well, that's what I'm doing. So right now I got my last one is Proud Mary, yeah. which is an amazing track. This is with Ike, um, an incredible track. She's amazing. Uh, it has this rock gospel vibe, which Coop sort of hinted at that she does a bit. works really well. Uh, and the other thing is she did a collaboration with Beyonce on this in the Grammys in 2008. And if you go watch that online, man, it is crazy. It is great. They are they are just going for it. Tina's going for it. Beyonce's going for it. It's just amazing. You know, the Grammys, we say a lot about the Grammys, and they deserve a lot of abuse, right? But I always <laughs> look at the show, and, and yeah. sometimes when the show's on, it's when they get these collabs going. The collabs what, are what's for, man. The collabs are what make the Grammys. I didn't think we had a great Grammy show this year, but in previous years we have had some great ones, yeah. But yeah, it's just it's just uh, she's done so many wonderful collaborations, and I think it's just a testament to like how great of an artist she is. That yeah. She could do all these different genres, and and how all these people want to work with her. Like, just can't wait to work with her. You know, true professional man. Yep. And you said she did this. Oh, it doesn't top the Brian the Brian Adams collab. I'll give you that. 
I love the Brian Adams collab, but they're all really good. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, she brings her A game to all of them, man. I mean, yeah. you know, it's not just, and she doesn't get this like token role in a song. Like, she's a main player in all these songs. She's not just like guesting on the on the chorus or something. I also really believe, and again, going back to the Brian Adams collab, when she did that collab with Brian Adams, you know, Brian Adams was a, in his early 20s when he did this. Yes. It opened up Tina Turner to that younger audience. I, I really believe that. Mm, I, I believe that. that, yeah. So, uh, you know, because when, when What's Love Got to Do With It hit, that was more on the adult contemporary circuit. God, I love that song. But when Better oh, Be Good it. To Me, it, maybe that's a little bit yeah. of a younger vibe. But when It's Only Love came out, that really introduced her to the younger vibe. And I think yeah, a lot of and then, today, yeah. We'll, we'll, and then Thunderdome. That and Thunderdome. Thunderdome yeah, and Thunderdome, too. You know, doing the movie like that. Yeah. Oh. But final thoughts here, Coop. Well, I say thank goodness she took Ike, Ike out. But she actually left Ike, right? But, yeah, you know, and it's you know. terrible what, what happened there. But had some of these things happen for a reason, I think I've heard her say this. And had that not happened, I don't think we would have had this this really second half of her career, like, no. like what happened. Yeah. Yeah. So you look at that and that was, you know, we would our record deal at one point. Right. And then, you know, she does, uh, let's stay together and, and look what happens after. And then the num you know, what's love got to do with it kind of bursts on. And so very, very key. Um, well, I have a couple of things I just want to kind of add in fun things. The first one is we had Steve Saka on the show, primetime episode 269 on Thursday yes. night. Yeah. Now, when we do a show with Steve, you got to understand <laughs> yes. that that Steve, you, we have to keep Steve entertained. He doesn't you like do. doing a very, yeah, you have to kind of make sure, you don't, you don't want the show to suck, right? So you have to do That's something That's why I like it. Jukebox, I think, because yeah. we, we did all this music stuff. Yeah. We did a, and if you remember the old Cigar Jukebox with Steve and he just like dissects... <laughs> So, so this is funny. We had him on Thursday night, and and we we asked about like, what do you like on a burger? And he starts like going through this whole explanation, like, oh, of, yeah, yeah, I mix these spices in, and there's this, you know, these cuts of meat, and it's like him describing his blends, right? And he yeah, did that with yes. the jukebox show too, right? That's what he did. Yeah. But I went to him. I said, you know, Steve, I don't know if you're familiar with Tina Turner, right? Because he had just passed away. I said, but, um, I'm gonna name three songs, and I'm gonna say to you, Steve. Which one of these three songs should be on the Steve Saka soundtrack? Ooh. Okay, of your okay. story. And these are the three songs I named, and I want you to see if you can guess what he picked. First one was Better Be Good to Me. The second one was We okay. Don't Need Another Hero. And the third one was Simply the Best. Man. Um I would say I would say simply the best, but I don't know. It was. Okay. Ah. But, but here's what was funny about it. So he goes, oh, come on. He's like, what if you like, oh, this, this is tough. He goes, I have to pick simply the best. Right. And he goes, no, no, wait a minute. You know, uh, he goes, oh, let me go back. Oh, we don't need another hero. Right. <laughs> and then he says, screw it. No, it's simply the best. That's me. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> so, so he, he, he did that. Uh, was he like, that. was he like, I don't know if people like this song I picked, but, yeah. you know, I'm going to pick this song. So, Dave, uh, here's, here's my question to you. Yes. Where does she rank historically on a list of female vocals? And I'm not asking for an exact spot, but is she top three, top five, top 10, top 25? Where do you have her? So we sort of touched on this with the Madonna thing, I think. That's where I was going with it because she was in a very, like a lot of female artists now, that year with coming out. 
Now you can't go sales. Like you can't do sales. You can't she just do gets sales. You can't go so, sales with this. Exactly. So I'm not going to do. I'm going to just go on impact. I would say she'd have to be. I'd say she'd have to be top five. Like I mean, if I'm if I'm thinking, I'm going. I'm going Madonna definitely. Right. Is like one. But then you'd go Aretha, Janis Joplin, Dolly Parton, and then maybe Tina. Yeah. And, you, have Whitney, you have Whitney in this era, too, don't forget. Yeah, Whitney. I mean, Whit- the, I'm just thinking of... I'm just thinking of... Impact. Yeah, maybe. I, I just think... Because I just think with, with Tina Turner... Like, she, like she was... You know, breaking new ground for women artists, like in like in the sixties, like in seventies, playing with Janis Joplin and doing all this stuff, and so I yeah. don't think I think you have to take into account the stuff she was doing with the Ike days, because she was still like a main player in that, and 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 so yeah, I'd have to go top five. I think I think I, I had her right around the middle of the top ten. Yeah. So yeah, I I I have no problem putting her in the top five. Uh, you know, I would probably, you know, I have a couple I put, I put like Madonna, Diana Ross definitely ahead of her. Oh yeah. You can move it around. You can have Madonna, Diana Ross. I mean, you can have even Patsy Cline up there. Um, um, she's some, you know, obviously Dolly is on that, in that, yeah. in that category. Um, but you know, it's interesting. I have her ahead of Whitney. Um, I have her ahead of See, Whitney. That's a tough, that's a tough one. Yeah. I throw Stevie Nicks into this equation too. Yeah. Very similar I would have type her of vocalist. Yeah. Yeah. It's. You know that's that's a that's a judgment call, and I think it's a close one, yeah. But I think it's somewhere, I think, yeah. I mean, I think it's it's just hard because you're looking at because you can't go like I said on sales. You got to go on impact. Because sales, obviously, yeah. it, it wouldn't be close. But but what um, female artist between the age of forty five and sixty has had a run like she had? You know, and it was about I mean, that's about when her heyday was as a solo was 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 really in that fifteen year period. Oh no, that's crazy. I mean, Madonna, maybe. Yeah, Madonna. I mean, not even Dolly, I don't think. Madonna, the only not thing the same had, run. Madonna had more music, and but Madonna had a couple of these dips that we talked yes. about. Yeah. Man, I don't know. Yeah. Like at that age, it have to be. Yeah, Madonna kind of had. But... She had confession on a dance floor, but I don't think she sustained it to age sixty like Tina did. No. And even Dolly, like, she had a great crossover with. Um, nine to five, which would have been around the same time as this, because that was what, like eighty five or something. Yeah. So it'd be around the same time, and and Dolly's a little bit younger because she's in her seventies. So it would, but then too, like after that, she has some dips, and really is only coming back now. So I would, I would say, yeah, to that level of success, I don't know if there's anybody to be honest. No, I don't know. Dolly seventy seven. We're gonna see what happens with this album later in the year because it's a big, it's That's a big album. Be huge. Yeah, Dol- Yeah, but you, yeah. So, but I don't think Dolly necessarily had sustainability that she that Tina had. But even if this record's big, right? Even if this Dolly's record's big, it's no. It, it would be nowhere close to how big Private Dancer was. Yeah. yeah. Like nowhere close. I no, mean, it's uh, not gonna have the. It's well, not gonna have a number two single on it. No way. No, I mean, unless we see something, 
I'm interested to see if this is good. She's going to get a Grammy nomination if, out of it because I don't know what the deadline's going to be. Down. And we know, and we know that the Grammys have been known to take liberties with things. So, so I we'll know, see it's if, an interesting question. Interesting yeah. question. We should do a top women vocal. Yeah, we should definitely, we could definitely do a top 10 song on that. Yeah. Top women. Yeah. Um, Got like four song ideas out of this show, Coop. Yeah, no, four a lot of good ideas, stuff. Man. Yeah. Um, my, I, I have nothing to add. She's an icon. She's amazing. I love her music. Private dancer is great. Yeah, no, I, I, really I it's yeah, it's like I said. You know, when I see the social media reaction to Tina Turner, it was big. Um, mm. you know, like I said two people messaged me about it. Like you can do a Tina show. I mean, that, that I had, and, and I'm not saying a ton of people. Two people still a lot of people. You know, kind of reach out. Well, yeah, there's out um, of blue. And and I, Dave, I go back. You made a comment at the beginning of the show about what's love got to do with it, right? And um, you said that was the first kind of your yeah. first. And I think a lot of people your age that falls into that boat. I think if you're like late, you know, mid to late fifties, like I am, we do remember some of the '70s stuff. But yes. even so, like Tina, like I never realized until much later that, you know, and again, I bashed Ike this whole show, but Ike is an absolute pioneer in rock and she was associated with him. I think ultimately he made him better. Um, but, you know, she was part of a very historic duo, which is why they're in the Hall of Fame together. I think Ike, I just, wasn't Ike in prison when, 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 when oh, they got inducted? Who knows? <laughs> Probably. I mean, yeah. I I still can't get over the fact that her big comeback was at 45. I mean, it that's was a, insane. It was a big, you know, in the 80s, what a lot of people don't realize is a lot of artists make comebacks in, in at age 40, right? The other big one that everyone talks about in the 80s was Steve Winwood. Made a huge comeback yes. in the late 80s. Yep. So, so, yeah, he kind of started getting it. Eric Clapton then got, Clapton. Clapton yep. got a, a, a bump in the 90s. So, yeah. But yeah, but at the time, a forty-five-year-old woman like just having this album was unheard of in nineteen. But not just that, but the album, and then the movie, and then like all of it. It yeah. was like yeah, huge. and the image, and the image of her, yeah. Mm. You know, God, the dude, live concerts, the energy. People just really, uh, really got into it. Oh, well, I hope people love this Tina show, man. I hope this so too. This was, like I said, a lot oh. of fun. Like I said. And and the one thing I'll just say, guys, I took out of it, it was how good of an album Private Dancer was. I just didn't really put it together until I went back and I did listen to the whole album for the show. Yeah, that might uh, come up again. It may, um, yeah, absolutely. How's your How's your cigar going? How are you doing? It's great, but it's kicking my ass. This is still a strong cigar for the morning. Yeah, cool. Get some <laughs> get uh get some food in you, man. Yeah, um, I, did, I did have a little bit to eat, but boy, yeah, it's a uh, <laughs> it's strong. Yeah, it's a uh, the. I'm just, I'm just used to it. I really guess. good flavor. Guess the flavor is great. Yeah, I smoke such strong cigars in the morning. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm about this way. I've been trying to like baby it along. Um, God, I love this cigar coop. It's so rich and it's got like little citrus notes in it and coffee notes and it's so good. Yeah, I should the have box press on it is good as well. I have the reviews scheduled for this month before the trade show, so I'm hoping they get published before the trade show with this one. I haven't reviewed that yet, but it's it's a, it's going to do very well. So yeah, quite affordable cigar too, which is good. Um, yeah, I mean it's it, in today's market. It is in today's market. Yeah, in today's market, it is. Yeah. God, some of the we didn't do a a palette review, but some of the cigars they're reviewing, I hear the price, and I'm like, oh my god. 
Um, what? They, yeah, they, I tell you, they, uh, yeah, they, uh, you know, I know that they, they have, they just recently reviewed the high priced, um, a couple high priced cigars. They reviewed the Year of the Rabbit. Yes. Um, and they also reviewed, uh, what's that cigar? The Mirafell, I believe they reviewed. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that one published yet, but I know they reviewed it. Uh, they, they reviewed the My Father. Like a, yeah. That's some cigar. Yeah, that My Father was like, Forty something dollars. Yes, that's yeah. crazy. Yep. Anyway, yep. It's nuts. Yep. Speaking of nuts, we got uh, Cigar Hustler New Music Forty Five. Yep. Uh, of course, sponsored by Cigar Hustler. Um, they are located in Deltona, Florida. Uh, a absolute fantastic store to go to. Uh, it has everything going for it. That store, a great selection in the humidor from from boutique to tried and true favorites. Great lounge, great customer service. Um, can't say enough about it, but if you can't get to Deltona, Florida, uh, go to their website, CigarHustler.com. Get on their email list. Follow them on social media because when the limited cigars drop, um, they drop. And uh, yes. you'll get notice of them. And sometimes they go very fast. They and do. I used to say get on the email list, which is key, but sometimes they put it on social media even beforehand. So Yeah, um, I'm doing that. Yep, and they're they're rolling out the Postani Corona Gorders right now. They did the event up in Virginia. Yes, I said they did a great. By the way, great job they did covering that event. Um, they just gave you a whole vibe of the event. Uh, everything from them leaving for the airport to coming back, and then all the stuff (laughs) on the event. Um, so they did, and I think they did the last night. They did the um launch at their store of this. Yes. So, but they, but what they do really well is they have always, they say they take care of the retailer and they, they release these to other retailers before them, which I yeah. think is a very unselfish thing to do. That's extremely unselfish. Yeah. But great nice. job by them. Yeah. Um, is he still eating boxes of cereal? I know that was a thing for a while with him. Yeah. Well, in fact, um, they just joined <laughs> up, they just joined up as bears on bear show as a sponsor. And nice. Bear's gonna be doing a food segment uh sponsored by them every week. He used to eat like I I I'd I'd see him Mike on uh Instagram and he'd have like this like oil drum full of fruity pebbles he was eating or something. Yeah, it yeah. It is it isn't it isn't like spoon sized shredded wheat he's eating. He's eating fruity no, pebbles. No. And, and 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 he's not a fat boy because this guy uh no. this guy will be hired as my bodyguard tomorrow. He's like a he's like a warship. The guy the is, like, is, the guy like... is packed. <laughs> Oh yes. You know, we've talked a lot on other shows about like guys you'd want like as fighters and stuff. And man, you got put you got to put a uh, hustler Mike. I right want in. him. Zombie yeah. Apocalypse. I want Mike and Skip. Mike can handle, and because Skip has like an alt- artillery with yeah. him, so he'd have the guns. <laughs> yeah, but Mike and man, Mike just would just be able power. to punch him out. Yeah. yeah. Boom! Boom! <laughs> oh yeah. Anyway, yeah. enough about them. Um. Yeah. I oh, love this. Love what you got here today. <laughs> okay, side A, the electric mayhem with mayhem. That's more the the Doctor Teeth of the electric mayhem. So there's a new show on Disney Plus called Doctor with Doctor Teeth of the Electric Mayhem, and it is fucking amazing. It is the best show ever made. It is hilarious. If you like music, you gotta watch this show. You have to. It is so funny. I gotta watch um, this. Yes. Oh, it is hilarious. It's so funny. Because the whole band just just they sort of go around like this burnt out seventies band and they're all like anyway, it's hilarious. So they have a they have a soundtrack out. 
um electric mayhem did a song with uh, jack white once yep uh best one of the best band names ever dr teeth and the electric mayhem and so the, they have uh, a, a yeah. is floyd pepper on it we've talked about the greatness of floyd pepper sergeant floyd pepper sergeant floyd yes. pepper yeah he he's the heart janice. and soul of the electric yeah janice uh but floyd pepper in my opinion he's the heart and soul of the band <laughs> Uh, they have this guy Lips, who's the trumpet player, who like you don't understand yeah. a word he says, and it's yeah. all this like really deep Louisiana accent. It's amazing. Zoot, you got Zoot, <laughs> the sax yeah, player. Yeah, they're all. Oh, and he's just like so burnt out. It's yeah. just great. Anyway, check out that. Uh, side I B, take Kesha. Out, yeah. yeah. I don't. I'm not a big Kesha person, but I listen to this new album. So it has a new album, Gag Order, that's getting a lot of buzz. So I'm like, well, I'll check this out. And the track I chose is Eat the Acid. It is. I'm not a huge catch person, but the song is just fascinating. It's like very personal, very dark and scary. It's it's not like a lot of pop songs out there. It's like kind of. It's kind of like a, when Billie Eilish came out or when OK Computer came out. And it was just like something totally different. You're like, what is this? And it just got its hooks into you. This this song for me. Um, I'll try and review it in the future. It's a good song. You should check it out. Eat the Acid. Yep, definitely. And album archaeology, of course, is Tina Turner's Private Dancer. Like, we've been talking about the album all show. You got to check it out. You got to check it out. Like I said, especially, like, I went back and listened to it, and yeah, I really underestimated how how great that album was. Yeah, you got to check that out. Private Dancer. Absolutely. Coop, are you gonna be able to do 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 uh do your next show? Are you gonna be laid out by the? Uh, She's the who, You can see I slowed down. It's not because the cigar isn't good, but it laid me out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I will be able to. I don't know if I'm gonna smoke though on it, but uh, but <laughs> no, but that's gonna be good. I have uh, I'm recording KMA right after this in the next hour, so I have a little bit of an hour break. Um, it's so. like uh. Eat, eat, eat one of those Mike-sized bowls of fruity pebbles. You'll be right. <laughs> Get some sugar in me. Uh, but no. Uh. This was a really great show. I'm glad we we got this one in. Mm. Um, now we have show hundred coming up. We got to figure out what that's going to be. Still, yeah, but well, it's a hist- Tina show. Yeah, it came out of nowhere. But it's just yeah, but it's historic because um, when we hit show one hundred, it will be the third Coop show to have hundred episodes. Ooh. I don't know if anyone else has three podcasts with hundred episodes. Uh, maybe the Hustle guys do, but um, that'll be the only. Oh. Because they have a lot they? of shows now, but yeah. Oh, they do so, have a lot of shows now. So I'm not saying we're the first, but to hit that milestone uh, is big. So I'm real excited about that. That's a big milestone for us too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Who knew? We, were, we thought we'd do six to eight shows a year, but oh, the yeah, demand man. for it has just exceeded it, and we've had so much fun yes. doing it. So, uh, the show, there's like the show ideas are just endless. They just endless. We have four ideas from this one, and yeah, somehow that some of them make it on, which is really cool too. So. Uh, we have a lot of good stuff with that. Now that the uh, Mermaid show is out, we gotta do that Disney show soon. Yeah, um, in fact, I got. Uh, it's I'm I'm working on the scheduling with that. So uh, <laughs> we have we have the two dates. So I'm hoping we can get that one in. I love Disney. I love it. Yeah, I love Disney. So yeah, but awesome. I, I think wait. we're I think we're at the end here. So again, uh, celebrate the music of Tina Turner here. Uh, sad day for a lot of folks, but uh, again, embrace it as well. I'm sure we'll be talking about Tina at the year end uh, memorial yeah, yeah, yeah. show as well. Um, Definitely. Yep. But anyway, that's going to wrap up primetime jukebox into the annals of history uh, for um, this Memorial Day weekend in the U.S. 
Uh, again, thanks to all those who served. Um, and we will catch everybody next time. Take care, everybody.